Hi, my name is Mattia Murray, and welcome to The Longer Road. You are on The Longer Road if you have multiple intersectional identities that are often marginalized. You've had to work harder to get to the starting line, and you might feel behind. I'm here to provide hope, support, and practical tips, and to let you know that you're not alone. Hello, hello, welcome. Today I'm talking about how there is no perfect method, no single teacher, no one way really to achieve anything. In particular today, I will be talking about healing and getting to where we want to be. And the metaphor that I like to use for this is that if there was one perfect set of nutrition rules telling you exactly what foods to eat in exactly what quantities to, for example, not get cancer, if that existed, we would know it by now. And without going into a tangent about how problematic it is that the majority of food science is funded by food companies, I feel fairly confident saying that the reason that we don't have a super detailed list of exactly what to eat like that is because it doesn't exist. Because bodies are different, we all have different needs, and even for a single person, that may change over the course of your life. And you may know someone who found a food solution that works really well for them and they started preaching about it all the time and they thought it was the answer for everyone. And as someone who grew up evangelical, I understand that urge. And I've definitely done the same thing with healing modalities or a teacher or a book that made a huge impact on me. And I immediately wanted to tell everyone and have everyone do that thing, especially people with the same problems that I had. But even just personally, even if you're not out there telling everyone or trying to convince everyone of this great method that you found, I found personally that it can be kind of upsetting when I did find something that was working really, really well for me and I was applying a method or doing some emotional processing or exercise or listening to someone's podcast, binge listening to someone's podcast, and then eventually a while down the road finding that that just didn't have as much emotional impact for me anymore and it wasn't feeling as helpful. For me emotionally that was actually kind of difficult because I had put so much importance on that person or that teaching. So today I want to dig in a little bit more about why there is no perfect method either for you or for everyone, how to find what works for you right now and the right teachers etc to follow right now for you. And then what to do when those messages are conflicting, when you find multiple methods maybe over the course of your life that you like that have seemingly conflicting messages. What do we do with that? My basic underlying premise about people that I truly believe is that we really do have a lot of answers within us. And when we find external teachings that we resonate with, it's resonating with something that we already believe or have within us. And sometimes there are things that feel different when you come across something that's a totally new idea that you don't recognize. But ultimately, a lot of the, quote, self-help or healing or helping modalities, a lot of them are saying the same kinds of things, just in different ways. So it's pretty rare to come across something that's totally earth-shattering. More commonly, it's something that you just haven't heard in that way. So you hear a new way of explaining it an image or a metaphor that really lands with you and that you're able to really internalize. So it goes from being an intellectual idea outside of you to being an emotionally integrated idea inside of you that you can actually apply. 
And this brings me to what is right for you right now. So the method, the teacher, etc., that's going to be right for you right now is two things. One, it's the one that you'll actually use and apply in a practical way, not just read about, think about, think, oh, that's nice. And then you experience the conflict or the trigger and you just go right back into your old habitual patterns. So the method that's going to work for you is going to be one, the one that you'll actually internalize and apply and actually use. And then two, it's also the one that you believe will work. And this is really important because if we believe a method will work, it often will. If we believe it won't, it often won't. And especially for these larger ideas of changing our own habitual patterns, discovering what's possible for us, if we believe that it's impossible for us to do something, Even if we see a method that claims, oh, you will absolutely be able to do this thing, if we don't believe it, we're not even going to try it. Or, and I see this sometimes when people sign up for classes or programs and then don't complete them, which is very, very common, by the way, so don't feel bad if you do that. But if you're going in with this idea, oh, this isn't going to work for me, I've already tried everything, it's easy to kind of half do the work, kind of apply it, but not really dig in. And more importantly, to not find out how to make it your own, which goes back to that first point, finding the thing you'll actually use. It's not just about applying the method perfectly or doing the modality perfectly. It's about making it your own and finding what works for you. That has been really useful for me as an extremely literal person and a recovering perfectionist because I used to treat these teachings like they were an assignment in school that I had to just do perfectly, exactly as written. And when I gave myself the permission to take what worked and leave the rest, I've gotten so much more out of what I'm learning and what I'm bringing into my life. Because for the most part, I'm no longer treating these teachers as gurus. I'm not putting them on a pedestal. I'm not thinking that they know everything and I know nothing about this topic. I now see teachers more as peers. And I can still have a lot of respect for them and believe that I have a lot to learn from them, but emotionally, it's very different for me. And ultimately, that has also helped with what I mentioned when I used to get upset when a teaching or a teacher would no longer resonate with me in the same way, not have that same emotional impact. Or if, for example, I had been listening to someone's materials for a long time, and now when I listen, I just go, uh, I don't attach to this as much. If I was putting that person on a pedestal above me, then I would make myself feel wrong and bad for no longer understanding or getting what I quote should be getting. I would make it mean that I was feeling the wrong way. And now I see it as a much more neutral thing that for whatever reason, it's just not resonating with me. And that's totally fine. And I do know one of the reasons this happens, which is that dopamine in our brain, one of the things that it's related to is novelty. And it's also very important for learning And it makes us interested in learning. So if we've been following one method for a very long time or following one teacher for a very long time, and we've already kind of heard all of their examples and their stories, and we're just kind of hearing them give these same examples and these same metaphors over and over, we can get bored. And we're not getting the same dopamine hit in our brain, which also means that when we are listening to it without that dopamine from the novelty, we might actually be learning less and taking in less and internalizing less. So this is a practical biological reason why this is happening. 
And I had that cultural messaging on top of it where I was telling myself that there was something wrong with me when really this is just a facet of every human brain. We're all going to do this over time. And because a lot of different people are essentially teaching the same things but put in different ways or from different angles or applied to different parts of your life, if you still love that concept, for example, the concept of self-compassion, which is underneath many modalities and many teachings, you may not particularly attach to, for example, a Buddhist framework, which is one of the main places that self-compassion is taught in a codified, organized way. Or maybe you really do and you love Buddhist teaching, but then you turn to a different Buddhist teacher and you don't love the way that they're teaching it or you don't get it or it just doesn't seem to really apply to your life. So rather than thinking of each teacher or teaching or method as its own tower that you're just building a single tower, I like to think of all of this learning as a foundation and that I'm taking all of this learning and building this foundation for myself as I'm applying it in particular. And then what I'm building on top of that foundation is actually my own lived experience, my own ideas. It's not just taking it from other people and building a structure that looks like their structure. It's using that strong foundation that I have, using a variety of ideas from a variety of people, and then trusting myself to build something on top of that and to build my own life and my own version of my life that reflects my own values and interests and desires. And changing tax to my last big question, what do we do when methods conflict, when teachers conflict? When we hear something from someone we really respect, we believe they've done their own research, we know they're speaking from experience, etc. And then someone else that we feel very similarly about, and they're saying what sounds like the opposite things. And to use an example that's come up in my own life, having a teaching on one side that's teaching make commitments and stick to them no matter what, because in the long run, that will work better for you. And then on the other hand, a teaching that says, don't be too obsessive or literal and give yourself self-compassion when you don't meet up to your standards. Or maybe even don't make those strict commitments in the first place because they may not fit well with the way that my brain works. And just relax and take things easy and let things come out of that ease. And this may not be the best example because these two things are not in direct conflict. But for me, underneath this example, I have two ways of thinking about it. And really, it's two questions I ask myself. One is, how are these teachings not in conflict? How are these teachings actually two sides of the same coin? Or how can they be in harmony with one another? So it's intentionally looking for the lesson that's in common. And sometimes it's really not obvious, and I might sit with it for quite a while. So in this case, with this example, I would say there are places in my life where I do want to build a habit and have some commitment and tell myself I'm doing this thing that's important to me. One of those actually is journaling every day. That's a thing that I do and that has been shown in many studies to make your brain just work a little bit easier. Journaling in certain styles and in particular reflecting on why you felt a certain way or why something impacted you calms down your amygdala, which is part of that fight-flight system. So for me, as someone with a lot of trauma, journaling has been an important part of calming that part of my brain down, calming down the amygdala so I can think through choices in a more rational way and access the rest of my brain. And then on the other hand, that relaxing and living with ease means that I don't do my morning journaling practice obsessively if I have a reason not to. 
For example, if I really feel like I need to sleep in, or since I'm living with a partner, if my partner wakes up and we're having a really nice talk and a cuddle, I'm usually not going to interrupt that to journal. Although I will tell you, I used to do that. And I realized that I didn't want to have obsessive habits to the point where they were getting in the way of relationships, even though it makes my brain feel good to be super strict with the habit. So that was me answering that question. How are these not in conflict? Well, they apply to different areas of my life. They don't all have to be applied to the same area. And then the other way that I think about it, if they are, for example, actually directly in conflict, and this might come up more with smaller, more practical things, for example, advice about how to do podcasts and how I should be releasing at exactly the same time on the same day every week. I actually can't think of a counterexample where anyone said anything different, but maybe you can think of a personal example. Two different ideas that feel like they are directly in conflict from sources that you respect. The way I personally approach that is returning to that original question of whether this is right for me right now which again to me means, will I actually use and apply this? Will I actually internalize this and make this a part of me? And do I believe this will work? Do I believe this is right for me right now? And rather than trying to figure out which one of those two things is objectively true, because our brains do want to know, right? Our brains are really oriented toward choosing something, believing that it's the right choice and believing pretty hard that it's the only choice and that the other one's definitely wrong. And this is a lot of our experience of arguing on the internet or hearing other people argue about things. It's this part of our brain that needs to be right, when in reality, the world is very complex and there are many things that are true in certain situations and not in others. So rather than wasting my time trying to decide which of two subjective ideas is objectively true, I just go back to, is this going to work for me right now? Is this the right teaching? Is this the right method or teacher for me right now? And if it is, I just go with that. Because you can always change your mind later. You can always find new information or to activate that dopamine novelty. You might want to seek out something new eventually or try something else. And there are many other nuances and different things you could do within this. And if it is something where you truly do feel that you need to figure out which one is objectively correct because it's two totally different approaches for something that you really want to get right, go for it if that's what you want to do. But I have found that a lot of times when we're trying to crowdsource information or ask, hey, there are these two things I want to do, which do you think I should do? I see that a lot. It feels very different than when you've come to your own decision based on what feels right for you right now. So in particular, with this idea of two methods or two teachers or two ideas that feel like they're in conflict, just as practice, just for fun, try coming to that decision by yourself first before you go and ask other people their opinions. You can always seek other people's ideas afterwards, but ultimately this idea about this foundation that I'm building on Part of the reason I like to think of it that way is because I want to consult my own ideas and opinions and creativity in order to build my life. I don't just want other people's ideas and opinions sort of haphazardly duct taped together into a construct that sort of works. And specifically in applying all of these ideas to healing work, sometimes the method that we need right now is resting. It's not seeking out another teacher or another book. It's not another technique. Sometimes we do just need to rest and not be trying to make 
something happen in terms of healing. And especially if you can access that feeling of safety at times, resting in a feeling of safety feels very different than resting from extreme heightened states or anxieties, right? It feels very different to rest because you're just exhausted than it feels to rest because you're in a beautiful place and you feel safe. So if you have managed to get to, on occasion, this feeling of safety, sometimes just resting in that is the most productive thing you can do. And you don't need to go find something else to make yourself feel better. Just being in and experiencing and embodying that feeling of safety, sometimes it's going to get you to that next level of healing without you having to even do anything besides just enjoying where you are. Am I great at taking my own advice on that? Honestly, no, that's something I'm working on. But when I have done it, it has helped so much and it's felt so good. So recapping the big ideas from today, there is no perfect method. Finding what is working for you right now, and again, that's just right now. It doesn't have to be for your whole life, but to find what works for you for now. Two questions you can ask yourself are, one, will I actually use this? Will I actually apply it? And two, do I believe this will work for me right now? And that could be resting. If you've been really into a teaching or a teacher or an idea and it starts to feel stale and boring, you're just not getting that same dopamine hit from the novelty. And you may need to go hear that idea in a different way from someone else with new stories and new ways of looking at it. And then if you're feeling confused between two conflicting ideas that feel like they're in direct conflict, you can either dive into that creatively and ask yourself, where are these not in conflict? Where do these intersect? What can I learn from this interesting rubbing together of these ideas? Or you can just choose one for now, again, based on will you actually use it? Will you actually apply it? And do you believe it? Do you believe it'll work for now? I love this idea of just making a decision for now because you can always change your mind later. But my perfectionist brain attaches a lot of importance to decisions and really feels like if I make the wrong choice, it is somehow going to cause some really bad things to happen. Most of the time, that's not true. In real life, we can turn around. We can ask for a refund. We can get up and walk out. There are so many ways that we can change our minds. And as long as we support ourselves and have our own backs, it doesn't even have to be that big a deal a lot of the time. Everything that we're taking in and learning is building this foundation. And then it's really what we take from it that builds a life on top of that. And one final thought, even though I'm a fairly cerebral person in a lot of ways, I've really been leaning into this idea of how a teacher makes me feel. Because sometimes I would stick with a book I didn't love or listen to a recording and I was feeling kind of uncomfortable about a vibe or the tone or some examples that I didn't love or even that I thought were harmful. But sometimes I would try to stick with it because I felt like the ideas were good and so I just kind of wanted to stick through the stuff that I didn't like. And I really don't do that as much anymore because I really do think it matters how your body and how your emotions are responding to the teacher themselves and to the total vibe of the learning and not just the factual information, especially because when we're not doing what we want, it's usually not a lack of information. We have all the information in the world at our fingertips for a lot of us. And what we really need is space to step back and be able to implement that and to be able to find our own ideas and synthesize what we've learned in a meaningful way. 
So if you're deciding between two teachers, two programs, two books, and you're not sure which one you really want to apply or whether you really do believe it will work for you, another layer you can add into that decision is how does this person make me feel? When I take in their materials, how do I feel? And for me, that question is, do they make me feel more safe or do they make me feel less safe? Because if they make me feel less safe and that fight flight part of my body and brain are activated, I'm not going to be learning as well anyway. So I really lean into spaces where the teacher helps me find safety. And when I do find those spaces, I know one teacher I've mentioned a number of times is Linda Tai, Linda, L-I-N-D-A, Tai, T-H-A-I. She creates such a beautiful sense of safety in her spaces that I can take in learning that might have been triggering to me in another setting. I can really absorb in a deep way, in an integrated way in my body. And that's really what I'm looking for these days. Teachers that help me feel safe, that support and create those supporting safe spaces. And then making space in my life to actually go and apply the ideas and try things. The only person that has all the answers for you is you. You know what you need. You know what's right for you. And you can trust that inner knowing. And you can trust that your body and your brain are going to give you those signals when you need them. And if this space I'm creating for you with you is helping you feel safe and you would like to work with me, I do one-on-one life coaching with neurodivergent queers, helping them do whatever they want. And I have a six-week course coming up starting March 12th in just under three weeks now called Breaking the Neurodivergent Perfectionism Procrastination Cycle, getting you from feeling stuck to feeling like you always know how to move through that resistance with techniques that work for you specifically. If either of those sound interesting to you, you can email me at mattia at mattiamariah.com or visit my website, mattiamariah.com, and send me a message through the contact form. I would also love to hear any thoughts you have about the podcast topics you'd like to hear about. And if you know someone who might like to be a guest, someone with multiple marginalized identities themselves, you can send them my way. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate your time and attention. I hope you can find that safety this week, find those moments of safety and rest, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. If you know someone who would be helped by this podcast, please share it with them. And I'd love to hear your thoughts and suggestions at Mattia at MattiaMarae.com. That's M-A-T-T-I-A at M-A-T-T-I-A-M-A-U-R-E-E dot com. Thank you.